Well, so far you've heard my voice, but then I brought two friends along. Next on the mic is my man, Jer. Come on, Jer, sing that song. <laughs> David Tyler. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Hello, folks. You're very welcome along to what is now episode 10 of the Football Pod. We've made it through the league. We've got through the qualifiers. We're now in the latter stages of the Ulster Championship, the Leinster Championship. We're in the Connacht final and the Munster final. That is where the podcast is at. Andy Moran, you haven't been dropped yet. Oh, no, we 10. Still, Still here. Going. Hey, Paddy. How are you lads? Morning. What's the crack? What's the crack? So every week we have a bit of a chat and we, we say, what are we going to talk about at the top? And uh, Mayo have tried. Mayo have tried to steal the top of the show this week. They had a COVID scandal last week. They had a penalty shootout last night that we're going to come back to in a few minutes. And then Dublin. Another Dublin player has walked away. But we're not starting with any of that, lads. We are starting with the fact that we actually had a game of football we're talking about. Paddy Andrews, I ended up watching the game with Andy the second half. You want to admit it, Andy? You were shouting for Derry. I, I, did. I wouldn't say it. No, to be fair, to be fair. To be fair. <laughs> he told me not to say it. He's cut out already. Look at him scrambling. To all my Donegal friends, right? McGuigan kicks the last point equalizer. I, I shout. And McBrearty kicks the last point. And Paddy, you caught the photo. I shouted for that as well. So, yes, I was just intrigued by a competition. A game uh, where we've seen in Mikhail Park absolutely damage the game of Gaelic football on on Sunday, and to go across uh, the road with your good self and watch the watch the game, and to see actually a competition where you have two of the best sharp <laughs> in the country that are taking a shot that actually means something. That's what we're looking for, and that's uh, that's why I got a bit excited. I was possibly wanted the, the upset, but I probably wanted that for the pod so we could talk about it, you know? <laughs> Were you roaring at the screen, Paddy? Do you know what? Very similar to what you guys are saying. It was the first game again of football. I was actually sitting. I was excited. I genuinely was. It was... We kind of targeted this game ourselves on the pod, but we once the National League finished, we were looking going, right, where is the first big game of the championship going to be? We thought we might get something out of Roscommon and Galway, and just the way that game panned out, the conditions and... Ross Common's kind of tactics that was a non-event really and to be fair we were hoping that Derry could carry their, their very impressive league form into Valley Buffet Michael Murphy being injured probably even levelled it out even more and it was it was it was a brilliant brilliant game of football it had everything you wanted in a proper championship game man-to-man battles around the pitch were, were top class McMenamum on, um, on, on Shane McGuigan Ryan McHugh was picking up McKinless Connor Glass and Michael Langan you know two brilliant brilliant players Chrissy McCaig on McBrearty which, we, which we'll get to when we talk about the game in depth but those type of proper championship battles some unbelievable scores lads Jesus Christ some of us Kieran McFall kicking scores Niall O'Donnell some absolutely top class the quality of the game was high class the drama of the game, you know, McBrearty's point, and then Derry, can they work a shot? Referee blows it up. It had everything you wanted from a championship game. And I'm just trying to think, not even just this season, when was there a game of that quality, of that intensity, with everything on the line? It's just, I can hardly remember a game like that. So it was the championship, Jesus Christ, it needed a game like that. Yeah. And particularly after after the Castle Bar massacre beforehand. How are you lads watched sat through that entire game? I watched the first 10 minutes and ended up watching the Wimbledon final after that and tuned back in for uh for Derry Donegal. Andy's right. 
that just did absolutely nothing for, for Mayo, for Leitrim or, or for the Gaelic Football Championship as a whole. So it was brilliant to finally see a really top-class inter, inter-county championship game. We are going to get into the structures on our Instagram uh, this week. There is a hell of a lot of questions in about what your thoughts are on the championship structures, lads. So we will get to that in a little while. But it was chalk and cheese, Andy, crossing the road from Castlebar over to the movement gym, which is where we watched the match. Going to get that in there because he haven't mentioned it in a while. What is this? This is like literally a walking advertisement for this. Adam, Adam Sheehy wants to know there, I can't, yeah. what's going on with the gym, Andy. You haven't mentioned it in a couple of weeks. So look, we just oh, get no, that out of the way. I enjoyed that. Who, who said that one in? Adam Sheehy. Yeah, excellent, Adam. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three passes for Adam for the month of August. <laughs> but it, it was it was Adam absolute chalk and cheese. Like Castlebar, Mayo have the most passionate fans or in the country, you could say. They've travelled across the country. They're even going to travel in their droves to Crow Park next week, which is great that Mayo Galway is on in Crow Park in two weeks' time. They couldn't even sell out a Connacht Championship semi-final when 3,000 tickets were up for grab, Andy. Yeah, and uh, like you'll go to our club game um, at the weekend and there'll be um, uh, whatever amount you're allowed into it will be in it um, but it was so disappointing I think the biggest cheer of the whole game was when Colin Boyle came on in the second half uh, the fans just showed us their appreciation to him but bar that it didn't didn't get up above a whimper in fairness to the Leitrim fans they travelled a few hundred like maybe a hundred of them travelled and tried to put it but it was just it's just so unfair and it's um, it's it's uh, People want to see, people love the game, see, and what happens is the conversation then starts as, oh, the game is ruined. And the, game, the game isn't ruined. The competition is ruined. So if you go down to St. Bridges playing against uh, whoever is a good competitor, Clontarf, whoever you're playing, right, and it's a good tight game and Paddy's kicking four, you'll go and watch that, right? But, because it's competition, People want to see battles. Like if you go back to sport, ancient Rome, they want to go in and see a fight. Someone comes out winner and loser. You don't want to go in and see a massacre. No one wants to see a massacre. And that's the problem at the minute. The game is fine. The game is actually okay. The competition is the one that's broken. And until we go and fix it, it's very handy for me now to see it because when you're in there and you're playing like myself and Paddy were the last couple of years, it is actually hard to kind of view it because you just have to concentrate on the game, you have to, you have to push on, and you, you just have to treat everyone with respect, as Paddy was saying about the Wicklows and the Wexfords and the preparation. And when you step away from it and you actually see what happened, like I left Mikhail Park the last night with anxiety, like I was a tiny bit like, it was, it was ridiculous, like it was absolutely insanely bad what happened. No good to lead from football, they don't get to feel that pace again for 12 months, and that's, to be honest with you, being a biased Mayo person, I left feeling sorry for Mayo. What else can James Warren do? He is a, a dreadful week with COVID, uh, prepares his team well. They go out and, Tommy, we both admit they played really, really well. They moved the ball slickly. There was nothing really that you could pick out that Mayo could improve. But what good is it to him? It's, it, it literally, he can't judge any player on it. He can't say that now Darren Michaela scored 1-5 against Sligo. He scored 2-1 against Leitrim. An exceptional start to your championship career, right? But where does he sit? Like, where does James Horn say, right, I need my six best forwards here against, against uh, Galway. And he literally doesn't know who them six are because literally the lads have not been challenged. And that's why I think it's damaging the game. I think the point you're making about the fans not being in. Like, move people. When was the last game they were at? Move, Kerry... Back March 2020, am I right? Was that probably, the last game? Yeah, probably, yeah, early I, March. I, I was at the game, the better's by a point. Um, that was the last game they were in. Now, you have a, a, a county starving for football, like absolutely starving. But they're thinking, we could miss 
the first half at Donegal v Jerry here. And that, they, they haven't become any less supporters and they, but they want to see a match they want to see a proper mm. battle and they did see that and thank God for those two championship lads because it has kept us alive this year but we're down to a many the last 12 we'll be down to the last eight after next week and we've literally seen one game we've seen one game of ball and that's not good and if we don't see change now I don't think we'll, we'll ever see it you know? but, but on that Andy that point I think that's if you're looking at and I know we got about 30, 40 questions about the structures of the championship the bottom line, 20 teams are out of the championship now. Their season's finished for them, for their supporters, um, for the media coverage in those counties. Like, that's... Well, that's, this year is, and there's been no this year is a freak. This year and last year is a freak. But we, we do know that th- this doesn't matter. In terms of the structures, it's a freak that there's a knockout championship. But these hammerings have been happening for years. Yeah. Well, it, 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 but it, it's, it's... Look... It's reached a tipping point. Like there is when a special congress meet in November, and, and across the board, everyone realizes this has to change. The fact that you can, like I say, you can have 20 teams out of the championship, and we're sitting here down to the final 12, and there has literally been one decent game. And, and the others are absolute bar maybe awfully allowed was what was a kind of an intriguing and exciting game. I'd say about a hundred people seeing that. It wasn't on telly, you got about two minutes on the Sunday game. That's it. Like that is, the structure is well and truly broken. And Sunday was just a classic contrast. It's like, what happened to Castlebar? This is absolute nonsense. Across the board, Twitter was exploding. And then an hour later, we see well, what happens when you get two competitive teams playing against each other. Andy's exactly right. The game is, is still there. And when it's played well and there's teams competing and there's some amazing scores, it's as good as anything to watch for, for players, for supporters, for the media, for everyone. But the contrast is there. You cannot have games like that going forward. It does no good for anyone involved in GA, for the winning team, for the losing team, for the media, for the supporters, for everyone involved. So, look, I, I think we, it's inevitable. We will see change, which is the positive to take from this. But what's going on so far this summer has just been its just been a hard, hard watch for, for everyone. Uh, Paddy, I don't think it's inevitable we change just because of the structure of the GA in general. Um, are people looking after, I suppose, self-interest more than the interest of the of the of the game itself, and uh, try to protect her tradition and stuff like that, which is very important. Let's not like yeah. dismiss it, but at this point, it's not the most important. But Tommy, I'll just come back to your point. I, I'd argue it's just not a freak, and I, I'd argue going back about the hammerings. Okay, of course, hammerings are always there. A hammering is going to happen again. But when a team is coming to a place like Casabar and they literally have no chance, and then they have no chance to progress for the next 12 months, mm. th- that's a hammering without, a, without even a plan. What we've done over the last two, and I think a big problem, and I literally, lads, I genuinely don't have the solution here. I don't have anything close to the solution. But I'll tell you what's not the solution. Over the last two years, we've driven the divide greater. Right? with finance and with money and what the likes of the top-tier teams can produce in terms of looking after the players, the medical, looking after the expenses. That divide has got massive over the last seven, eight years. Okay, And that's where I'd encourage the GPA, okay, lads, you need to get involved here and really, really get strong on that point. But the other thing is, the le- and I've said it over the last... We- I'm telling you now, Paddy Andrews said in week one of the, week one of the pod, and we agreed with him, that Division One is the place to be. The reason it's the place to be, because the divide is getting too strong. It's getting too big. And what the structure of the league has done now has literally driven them teams on to an enormous level, 
right? Probably the highest level that it's been in 15 years. So we have seven, no, we probably don't. We have probably five or six teams here playing at a level of football that we've rarely seen. Like top class stuff, really, really competitive. But then everybody else has fallen behind. Like I mean, everybody else has fallen behind because you literally can't get the competition levels if you, did, like just to say, okay, all you good lads play against each other. All you fellas who aren't so good, you play against. They can never catch that. They can never catch them. You'll have an outlier like Derry every now and then who gets probably their best player of a generation back from Australia to mm. play with them and turns them into a, a massive team overnight with a really good coach and a, a club like Slock Neil driving them. But you'll get that once every now and then. The rest of the teams are gone. How can Leitrim? We often hear the debate of... Uh, we often hear the debate of Dublin and the financial and the uh, socio-economic and people moving to Dublin and the population. Mm. Right, you have a population of you know, I don't know it off. Do we have one hundred fifty thousand? You have a population in, in Leitrim with twenty-three thousand. Right, there's a, like there's eight senior clubs in Leitrim. Like, how can they compete with Mio anyway? And then you put everything in COVID, it COVID land involved in it. You produce a league that's and put Mayo into a Division 2 league and Dublin and these guys into a Division 1 league. Leitrim playing Division 4. Division 4. They have no chance of catching up. They have no chance of catching up. And that's why it earned But, but Andy, that's the point. And we said it. And the general consensus across the board. Teams need to play against teams that are competitive. They're at the same level. That's why the National League works. That's why that competition every single year produces great games, produces storylines, Division 1 teams are playing Division 1 teams. Division 2 teams are trying to catch up with them. And Division 3 and 4 teams, that's the, the idea behind the Talton Cup, that these teams will play against each other. They'll start to look at what Antrim did this year, what Affley did this year, to have a bit of momentum behind them. That's how teams are going to improve. There is no point. There is no point. And that's the issue with the championship. And we're talking about the provincial championships. Leitrim playing Mayo for the next 10 years. They can play 100 times. Mayo are going to win that game 100 times out of 100. You know, you know that that's it's just not working, and that's what I was surprised. I was surprised, and I, I I hear you, Andy, and I get it. The GA is an unbelievably traditional organisation, and it's important to have that history and things like that. I get that, but the chapter needs to change, and and you're not going to please everyone. Uh, my own opinion, I think I would say play the provincial championships on a standalone basis. Get rid of the McKenna Cup, the FBD League, the O'Byrne Cup, the McGrath Cup. Give the guys January off. Nobody, no player wants to be training in the shit and the muck in January when it's minus three or four degrees. Let them come back in February. There's your pre-season. March is the designated month for the provincial championships and it's every Saturday night games are on. On TV, have the crowds in. So you still have the provincial championships but they're not linked to anything else. That, that, that's your games. April is your month or is your pre-season, pre-championship month. Go, teams can play challenge games and things like that and the championship starts in May, June, July, August, and you play it as there's 16 teams in the Sam McGuire, there's 16 teams in the Talent Cup, and you've the division one and two teams there, and it's a, two groups of eight. Teams will play seven championship matches through the summer every week, and they're competitive. There's relegation and promotion from the Talent Cup into the Sam McGuire Cup. Got the top four teams in, in Group A and Group B in the, in the Sam McGuire go into an all Ireland series, quarterfinals, semi-finals, finals, the same with the Falcon Cup. If you need to win those competitions, you're playing 10 championship games throughout the summer, big crowds on TV, they're competitive games, there's promotional relegation, there's targets for the smaller counties to try and get promoted into, and they're getting 10 games in the summertime. 
that's meaningful. Not one game where you're playing a, a Division One team and you're being absolutely obliterated. And thanks, lads, we'll see you in nine months' time for the next game. And looking at some of the debates, I was surprised. I was watching Sky on Saturday evening. And Jim McGuinness has done an amazing kind of what he's done with Donegal and very influential figure in the game. And he's talking about, no, you can't get rid of the provincial championships because it devalues what, what we did in the past. Like, come on, this is not about protecting what you got in the past or, or other people. It might devalue my provincial medals, my Leinster medals, if, if it's not linked or, or, or Ulster medals or things like that. This is not about looking back. This is about looking forward and trying to protect and consolidate the future of Gaelic football and the senior football championship because it is broken to a point where it has to change. And, and, and I get it. Maybe tradition to a point will suffer and the provincial championships, if they're on a standalone basis, does that make them as important as they have been over the last 125 years? Probably not. But at least they're, they're still there. They're still competitive and it gives those, those lo- local rivalries games but it's not the main show in town. The, the, the senior football, the All-Ireland Championship and the Talton Cup for these teams, that has to be the priority. And if you if you argue that you came into to GAA now and you knew nothing about it and you looked at them and go, is that a right structure? I would say this is arguably the worst structure that you'd look at. Someone could come in and go, how in God's name do you run this as a competition? Hmm. I'd say that the current structure is as bad as it could possibly be. And yet somehow we're still tied to this. And to hear someone like, like like Jim talking about that kind of devalues what we've done in the past. And, and like fair Peter kind of came in and goes, but it doesn't really. Yeah. Like, what, what we've won in the past, we, we've won, that's done. But, but this is about protecting the future of the game and, and what's happening and the trend. It's getting worse. It is getting worse each year. We need competitive games in the summer. We need championships play teams playing games May, June, July, August, the best weather with crowds, seven, eight, mm. nine, ten championship matches. Skip those bloody provincial cup competitions. Go. Yeah. Nobody to, wants to play them. Get rid to of be, them. To be Nonsense. fair to McGuinness, and I've I've read his propose his own proposals in the past. And now that's not up for debate in Congress. We have proposal A and proposal B. But McGuinness, what McGuinness wants mm. is for the provincials to be linked to the league, to be linked to the championship. Personally, I don't disagree. I don't agree with that. I think the GEA are amazing when it comes to marketing something they want to market. Look what they did with the club championships. I know they had a, a very smart sponsor there. They branded yeah. it as the toughest. Right, I don't know if it's technically the toughest, but it made it appealing, and people wanted to watch it. And the club game was actually grown in, in a lot of ways at a terrible time of the year. When you talk about the provincials and moving it to somewhere like March, and you separate it, I think that needs to happen. But why don't you market it like the FA Cup? Lean on the tradition, lean on the history. Look at the giant killings that are possible. But, but, tell me, tell me, look at this. I'm te- last year with COVID, RTE started showing club championship games on Friday and Saturday night, which mm. they'd never done before. And because they were nearly forced to do it, and there's kind of, right, there's no other sport down, the country is on its knees, let's start showing club championship. And all of a sudden, you're looking at Twitter on a Friday and Saturday night, and club championship games are trending. They're getting huge of people watching it. And that is just because they've decided exactly what you're saying. We're going to market this. We're going to start showing these games. We're going to start getting on TV and primetime slots. If they want to do something, you're right. Like you can say the GAA is kind of can be backward in some ways or traditional. When they want to push something, they can absolutely push it. That's and that's thing. what I'm talking about. Why not do that? There, there's a, we're not scrapping them. Well, let's put them in a window where you get those local rivalries and those traditions. Look, there's probably still going to be beatings in it, but it's not the end of the road for these counties. They know I'm going into the Talented Cup and I'm going to have at least seven championship games down the road. 
You know, it's a, the kind of, it's, you're trying to find the best of both worlds. And that's the important thing. You are not going to please everyone. There's not a solution here where every single GA person turns around and goes, 100%, that's the right thing to do. If there was, we'd have bloody done it already. There's going to be sacrifice. And that, that, that has to be the way forward. But Paddy, within our uh, organisation, the association, we have two structures there that you could model. So you have the hurling structure, which mm. is going quite well by all accounts. And you have the lady structure, which is going quite well by all accounts. Do you know, it's, it's, uh, mm. and they play provincial championships and they play all that and they play, then they go, you know, so they actually do it quite well. It, it, it's there in terms of senior, intermediate, junior. Um, now, again, I, I don't argue pro and con of anywhere else. All I know is that it has to change. I, I have a deep kind of, um, problem, not with anyone in Congress, because I, I, I know a lot of people that's, that's involved in it, but I have a deep problem with the way that's ran. It's not ran like a business, and when it's not ran like a business, I struggle to understand it when it's a voting structure. So that's what, that that's why I don't know what is the solution. Can I, can I ask you a question, and Andy, I'll come to you on it first. So we were in Castle Bar, we were up in the press box, we were looking down, we watched after the game how the Mayo lads went and did sprints. They had a couple of lads in groups of, and huddles. They had a huddle afterwards. They were on the pitch for a long time. The Leitrim boys went straight into the dressing room. They went in there, heads hung. They'd been hammered. Not the first time. Back in 2003, uh, Dublin had gone seven years without winning a Leinster title. 1995 to 2002. And the GEA and the government sat down, the GEA mostly, and they decided that football needed to be fixed in the capital. They needed to save it. Ireland had been in the World Cup in 2002. Rugby had gone professional. They were worried that they were going to lose Gaelic football. I think there is a severe responsibility on the GEA to look at the inter-county players in counties like Sligo and other counties like Leitrim that have shipped the hammering over the last number of years and say, we have a responsibility to go in there and take over and implement structures and allow them to develop and improve. Like... When you're looking at the Leitrim lads going off the field, I know you mightn't have felt it when you were playing against them, but looking at them the last day, I could feel nothing but sympathy for them. And that's not being said in a patronising manner. No, I was heartbroken myself, Tommy. I have to say, I like uh, I actually was talking to a guy over in the gym afterwards and he, he does a bit of work over there and he just comes in and I was giving out, like, you know, having me moan, like, and he goes, he goes, what could me have done any better? He thought I was giving out about me I wasn't giving out about me I was feeling so bad for Leitrim that this is where my kind of... Uh, my, I said, Mayo played brilliant. I said, they could do no more. I said, but uh, like my st- problem was with Leitrim. Now, I will say, I know myself personally, right, that in Sligo, there is there is good structures in place. They have Limo uh, there, the Ross Donovan that used to play for Sligo, Charlie works at the Connacht Council. So there is structure there. I'm less sure about Leitrim. Uh, but the point is, is that in Dublin, they had a quarter of the population. What, what, what the JA did in Dublin was probably, was right was right because you need mm. a quarter of your population. You can't just lose that population. No. Yeah. Of course, that was right. They probably should have stopped a bit earlier. But like that, that's fine, right? Okay. But what I'm saying is, no matter how much structures you put in to to Leitrim and Sligo and stuff like that, you still need somewhere to put them at a senior level. You go to a club game, you watch Melvin Gales against Manor Hamilton or something like that this year in Leitrim. That's going to be, you'd go and you'd watch that because it'll finish 15-14, it'll be a tight game. You'd, you'd be able to talk about some good performances. The problem is when they get to senior level, seven, seven players pulled out of the Leitrim panel two weeks before the mm. Mayo game. 
out of the 15 that played last year, nine only played lads. So me and Paddy are here talking about the field, the, knowing what it feels like. To, the, the, the Wexford boys, I know, did this. You were telling us something during the week that some of them were already in the gym because now they know what it's like. Okay, but like if nine of the 15 from Leitrim do okay against me all last year, but only nine of them are playing this year, then you have to bring six more in. It's too much of a too much of a divide. You don't have that much of a switch over in normal times in a Dublin setup and a Kerry setup and a Mayo setup. So when you're going down the levels, you're going down the levels, then, 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 then you're struggling. And I think you can see a massive um, difference in the physicality between the Leitrim players, um, uh, between the Leitrim players on the pitch, like Paddy Maguire and the rest. And you see Murphy for Sligo and the rest. So there's a massive depravity between their own players physically, never mind the players of Mayo to Leitrim. Do you know? So uh, my point is, on, on going in, uh, changing the uh, how much money you invest in Leitrim and stuff like that, I don't think it's that simple, Tommy. I think mm, there's a lot no. more to go on. And I think the structures and what we're trying to do, marketing these guys and making them really attractive for them play, to play at the top level, that's nearly more important than any of that at this minute. Mm. There are a couple of questions about it and we'll come back to it briefly later on. But let's go back to Bally Buffet and Derry Donegal. Uh, Paddy, Derry really looked like there was an upset being caused at a number of stages in the game. They went four clear in the first half, four clear in the second half. Let's talk about Michael Murphy coming on the 48th minute. What were you thinking? Um, Well, it had to happen because it was was now or never for Donegal. Um, And and they were struggling. I, I felt like it wasn't surprising what Derry doing. Like we touched on it, unbelievably athletic. You could see their conditioning was far and above beyond anyone in Division Three in their games. They're really, really well coached. Yeah, and you could hear Rory Callagher on the sideline. He was like Jurgen Klopp there, roaring for the entire game. I'd say he needed a lamp sip on, on Monday morning when he woke up. Um, you could see they had a, such a distinct game plan. They got their matchups absolutely spot on. We touched on it. We knew Chris McKay was going to absolutely hound Paddy McBrady, and he did a phenomenal job despite how it ended up. Connor Glass was on Langan. Um, Donegal, to be fair, recognised Garrett McKinless and the role he played in, in driving Derry forward. They put Ryan McHugh on him. So you could see Derry were so well prepared for that game and they hit the ground running. Shane McGuigan got off to a quick start and they, they, just, they absolutely deserved to be in the lead. Like they did, they went 7-3 up and Donegal kind of realised we're under pressure here. There's no doubt Declan Bonner was hoping that he didn't need to use Michael Murphy. They're playing this Sunday again against Tyrone, which again is another do or die. And that's the, the challenge for Donegal. I think they'll look back at the mistake they probably made was playing Murphy against Down the first thing when they absolutely did not need him. You could see he came on and his, I can totally understand his presence. He went straight full forward, having him there. He won a free. He causes chaos for the Derry defence. They're like, Michael Murphy's on, we need to, Rogers go straight on to him. You can see the Derry defenders are starting to look around at him and it frees up space for the other guys, even though there was no way Michael Murphy was at his at his peak in that game. You could see that evidently, but even just his presence alone, it causes havoc for the other guys. Whereas I'm watching Langan or I'm watching Niall O'Donnell, now I'm dropping off because Murphy's there and it's no coincidence that even though Murphy's not kicking the scores himself, Niall O'Donnell starts getting a bit of space around the top of the D to kick three or four points. So, so that's the role he played, despite not himself having the, the champagne moments or, 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 or the big score himself, but his presence alone. And that's that's what you get for being Michael Murphy and, and what he's done in the game. But there's no doubt he's not, he's not at his peak fitness. And you're thinking they're playing in seven days' time from that. They're playing this Sunday against Tyrone. And that's another, 
I think that's the game for the Ulster Championship. I, with no disrespect to, to Monaghan and Armagh who play on Saturday night, I think whoever wins that game and Ennis Gillen is, is going to go on and play Kerry in an All Ireland semi final. I don't know about that. I do. And, um, Gee, and, you're, and, you're good at the tips, Tommy, lately, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was back in Leitrim there at the weekend. Um, <laughs> not, not far off. But, but no, I, I think Murphy's role, they had to bring him on because they were in serious trouble. And you could see, the thing I liked about Derry on the flip side, in terms of their coaching, and we talk about this, Armagh are brilliant to watch under McGinley because they have such high intensity and they're runners from everywhere and they have the O'Neill brothers. And it's like it's, it's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters at stage all out attack from everywhere. Derry matched the balance of the team really well. That when it was on, they went and are bursting forward and McKinless and Connor Glass and these guys are going forward. But on the flip side, when they knew and it was going to be hard for Derry to keep that pace up, they showed real maturity and that's coaching that right, we're knackered here. Let's kill the game for two or three minutes. So they could adapt to the pace of the game and it's funny obviously myself and Andy big soccer fans you listen to, to Pep Guardiola speaks about this a lot with Man City and his players and he's talking people are asking about Phil Foden oh, Phil Foden's unbelievable and Guardiola's like yeah he, he's good but he needs to be able to control and change his tempo in a game that's the next stage of his development that it's not just all out attack you need to identify say okay where am I at in this game where are the team at in this game okay we just need to keep the ball for two or three minutes we see Dublin do it all the time but Derry doing that on Sunday, that was a really just, it showed there's a serious game plan here. There's total clarity in what they're trying to do. And it, they, it easily could have went their way. They've just, just, just fallen short. But the progress they've made, the coaching, the game plan, it was nearly enough. And you're right, Murphy's introduction probably just caused that little bit of havoc, frees up the space for a couple of other guys to shine. And ultimately even though he's not the direct scorer, he, he's a key guy in getting Donegal over the line. And, and that's a big win for Donegal. It's not, I don't think it's that Donegal underperformed and they were really poor. I thought Donegal played well. They were just up against a really, really good side. Yeah, and without their, I think Paddy's nailed it, without their best player. And like, we were, the three of us were here last week, we we, we said this is the game, this is the chance. Mm. Uh, I think Mohan came out after the, the Offaly Derry game and said, listen, them boys are streets ahead of everybody else. Fair play to them, well done. And then Offaly didn't go and compete really well against Kildare for a long period of that game. Mm. And it showed that the Derry form was real. It wasn't just going in off the, the back of Manton. But on the Murphy thing, he sets up Paul Brennan for his point. Um, but the, the, the point, and what, what Paddy is saying, just to, to delve into it a bit more, is the freedom it gives the other players. When you walk into that gym uh, the last day, Tommy, I, I actually mentioned Ryan McHugh to you. Like he literally wasn't in the game. Bang, Murphy comes on. He wins the vital free for Murphy to sip it over the bar. McBrearty's not in the game. Now, showed a bit of leadership in the first half where he, he, he set up two direct assists just in the first half for Langan and Brennan, which was, was really important scores just before halftime. But I am telling you now, Paddy knows it from playing with the likes of Brogan and playing with the likes of Khan and these guys. These guys take attention away from you. So yes. fellas like myself and himself could perform and try to be better because we had a half yard. So the, the second man, the fellow that was marking his man and maybe half marking you at the same time, all his attention now has gone to Murphy. All his attention has gone to Murphy. It spooked them. It shouldn't have, but they're Division Three. They're getting tired. It spooked them a tiny bit. They're standing out, like Murphy's standing out at his own 45 and someone is standing looking at him. And now all of a sudden, McBrearty does the cut we know he's going to cut. McCaig is five yards away from him. 
he just gets enough space and he kicks the screamer and he gets a nice shot free just before it and then he kicks the screamer. Sorry, Paddy, go on. Just, just on that, Andy, if you listen to this, there's 66 minutes on the clock and you can hear Rory Gallagher, absolute, Donny Gallagher passing the ball over back across the pitch and Rory Gallagher is screaming, man Mark Murphy, man Mark McBrearty, man Mark Langan. He's like, that's the only thing he's wrong. Mark Murphy, Mark Langham, Mark McBurdy. He has designated guys, and we touched on this when we were talking about Galway's deficiencies against Monaghan in the, fight, in the relegation game in the league, that everyone in that stadium knows Monaghan are trying to get the ball to Conor McManus. All you have to do as a Galway defender, and smart coaching and smart players are like, we need to take out the key guys here. Jack McCarran. And... Galway kind of slip up, they let McManus get it, he wins a free, kicks the score himself, McCarran does it in extra time. Rory Gallagher knows this, he's a smart coach, and he's roaring, pick those guys up, and they do it. But it just highlights the fact that there's a guy, when Murphy's not on the pitch, that's an extra sweeper. That's potentially a guy who doubles up on McBrearty and stops him coming in onto his left foot. McBrearty's like Aaron Robin, everyone knows he's coming back onto his left foot, but they can't stop it. Yeah. A phenomenal score. But it just shows the mindset. Of the, by Murphy just being there, he takes someone else. I made a career out of this playing with Bernard Broken or Dean Rock. It does. It, it frees up the space for someone else. And, and, and ultimately, even though, like I say, Murphy didn't get the headline scores himself, he causes havoc there in the Derry defence. And, and ultimately, that's that's the difference between them. But, but, but you were talking to me before the show, we were saying... She's what's wrong? What's not clicking with Donegal? I don't agree with that. I think Donegal played well. And the key thing I take away, Michael Langan kicks three points. Three brilliant scores. Caelan McGonagall kicks two massive points from midfield just after half time. Niall O'Donnell, 23 years of age. A couple of ropey shots in the first half. It wasn't really happening for him. But he stands up and kicks three massive scores in the second half at key times. Gets mad at the match. I look at all of that as a positive for Donegal that I can see Murphy's their leader. There's no two ways about it. He's their best player. He's the most influential player. But the boys rolled up their sleeves and go, he's not here today. And if he is, it's a bonus. But we need to drag ourselves through this game. They were four points down in the first half. They were four points down in the second half. And it's McBrearty's being tied up by Chrissy McCaig. Ryan McHugh was tied up with McKinless. And they're thinking, this is the holy trinity for Donegal. One's not on the pitch and the other two boys are not. They're not at their best but other younger players stood up for Declan Bonner. That is a huge plus that should not be missed in, in what Donegal have done. So I, I don't agree that Donegal were poor. Can they play better? Absolutely. They're not at their peak, but I thought that was a really tough championship game to win. Yeah. And those younger boys coming through and kicking those scores, like if you're Niall O'Donnell there, you're thinking, I can't wait to play Toronto. If you're Caleb O'Donnell, I can't wait to play Toronto. They're on top of the ground. They get Murphy. Murphy will be on the pitch on Sunday. By hook or by crook, he'll be on the pitch. Whether it be right, you think? I, I, I look. 20, it's the, it's what, what do you think? Give me, give me a number. What? How long do you think you'll get? I think they probably start him. To be honest, really? they, they'll do whatever they can to get him on the pitch because it, it, this is essential. This is the season on the line. If you look at this game for 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 Duhur and, and Logan for Tyrone and for Declan Bonner after last year's shambles of losing the Cavan and the final, this makes or breaks both their seasons. If Tyrone win. I think they'll win the Ulster Championship to get to an all in semi-final. And that's a really, really positive first year for Logan and Dewar. On the flip side, if Donegal win, I think they win the Ulster Championship to get to an all in semi and they, they, they play a big game against Kerry. That's Declan Bronner's progress. On a, but if one of them loses, whoever loses on Sunday, it's like, 
out of the Ulster semi-final seasons are over that is a bad year yeah, I, I, I would disagree with that Paddy I, I think if I'd, no I would actually agree with what you're saying in terms of the importance of the game in terms of Declan Bonner season and Dewar season and to be honest word for word I would say the exact same thing to you it's, it's catastrophic for Donegal and Declan Bonner and Stephen Rutcher and them guys have to lose yeah. for Dewar it's, it's definitely the first season but with Murphy Donegal have to have one eye still um, their, their aim cannot be just to win an Ulster title and if they played Murphy the next day he's gone like, like there's no way I think he'll do really well to play 2025 um, I think that'll be his influence on the game um, I think Tyrone will target him I, I do think Derry when he came on were tired and the tiny bit got spooked by Murphy and the left mm. I'd say it's driving Rory Gallagher mental because even for Niall O'Donnell's point Conor Glass is stepping a step back instead of a step and a step forward because he's thinking about Murphy behind him instead of thinking about Niall O'Donnell. So those little things like that, that, that changed. But Murphy, for me, is the catalyst for everything good, Donegal. Um, and I don't think he'll start against Tyrone. And when you move on to that game and you, you, you look at it, Derry had, I think, that five goal chances. That's and the thing. Not, not half goal chances. Like, Paddy is right. I think Donegal are playing quite well. I think the leadership by McBrearty to set up two when he's struggling in the first half, the kicks by Langan, the kicks by Jamie Brennan, the kicks by Niall O'Donnell, McGonagall, they're, they're excellent and they are fellas playing well. But over and over again, we've on about the deficiencies of the Donegal defence. And inside, literally three minutes of that game, they get inside McMenamin twice. Joe, yeah. Uh, I would hand pass uh, uh, wide from McGuigan right at the start. The Heron has a couple of goal chances in the second half Heron as well. Couple, do you know what I'm saying? It, it is really crazy. Even when the big midfielder kicks the one over to put them four up in the second half, he's on the 13-yard line, very yeah. <laughs> And like, to me, that is a huge deficiency. And I thought Rory Gallagher played it superbly, where he knows Donegal so well, they're going to block up that centre channel. So if you see the first four or five scores, they're all down the right channel at pace. You can picture them, Connor Glasses, McGuigan. McFall, McFall kicks Spectacular. Yeah. Each point was better than the next. Jesus, what scores? Like you're yeah. on about back doors, Paddy, and go back to the structures. Like, Jesus, wouldn't you love to see him play again? Like, Jesus, yeah. the point. Derry were brilliant. Yeah. We're, we're brilliant. So, like, to me, oh. you're Dewar and you're Logan and you're Peter Donnelly and you're these guys looking at this game. And Rory Gallagher has literally given them the blueprint of how to go and win it. Now, do they have as good as man markers as McCaig? No. Do they have as good as man markers as Rodgers? But you put a plan in place where mm. you, you really take out the Donegal top men because missing, you're going to get goal chances on the other side. They're missing Rona McNamee as well after getting sent off at the weekend. Unless he appeals it and, and gets that off. But, uh, Sean Camp is doing his best to get him off, anyway. <laughs> just on, just on the work. Can I ask one question? Can I ask a question? Or you go first. You go first. You go first. I, I gotta ask a question to Andy yeah. because there's a lot of consternation about this. The last play for Derry. 76 minutes on the clock. To be fair, I think Caldrick gives them time. He gives them two minutes. It's still harsh because it's their season on the line. I thought Caldrick would let them at least get a shot off. Do you think there were shots on Some people are saying there is. I have my own thoughts yeah, on it. Some people say that they could have had six or seven chances. It, what do you, you would have taken the shot, would you? It's a great question. I think you're lining me up. I'd have been off at that 76 minutes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but they, they, um, I think when it gets to Conor Glass, he's just after having a terrific game, great game with Langan. He still looks like he's got a bit of juice in the legs. I think Conor straight in the line there. 
and try to win a free or kick it over the barrier. So mm. that's what I'm thinking. My biggest problem with it, Paddy, was not that they didn't take the shot as such, because if you're not comfortable taking the shot, you shouldn't, is that no one straightened that line to win, to bring it into yeah. traffic, to lay it back for McGuigan coming around the shoulder or something. It was just, they held the ball so well. But I honestly think that have held on to the ball. If we were still talking about it now on Wednesday, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, Goldrick gave them a minute and a half over. Um, I, you would like you would probably expect someone to have a lash at it. It's probably good discipline that they don't. But then when Connor Glass, I, I think someone should have taken the shot to answer your question. But I think yeah. when it comes to Connor Glass, a guy that like is well, his power, like uh, he's obviously just a he's he's a mm. brilliant footballer. That's geez, I'd love to see him in Crow Park playing against some of the top teams in a Super Eight game or something like that. He'd be just great to watch. But straighten the line there. Let McGuigan come on the loop around you. Joe, kick it, get it closer for Paddy Cassidy, maybe to come around on the loop mm. and have a have a wild one or something. But you have to create a shot in some way. Yeah, and I, I looked at the McGuigan's equaliser the minute before. It's McKinless gets a he goes at Murphy because he knows Murphy's probably not right, and Murphy ends up fouling him, and McGuigan kicks the score, and you think right, we're extra time, and it's McBrady does his thing. I personally, I think at best there was maybe two opportunities, but they were. If you're talking, we're talking about shot efficiency here. There were probably two or three out of ten. No, but the, but the, the time no, is there's definitely not six. And someone was saying there's six shots. No chance. They actually work at the and Tommy, you were asking. I was shouting at the TV at this stage. I have to say, I was like, I want, I want the dairy. I know we're already got her well. I was like, and it was so harsh that, that the plates. I went, at least get the extra time. So it was like, get the ball to McGuigan, is what I'm shouting. They actually get it to him. But it was there was a shot. He was going to be blocked. He was going to be blocked. So that was definitely not a shot. I get Connor Glass's thing, but you're right. He's probably thinking if I go into contact here, there's Donny Gall of 15 guys inside the 40, I'm going to turn it over. In a way, it's smart play that they're we're going to keep the ball, we're going to work a shot, but time was absolutely of the essence. I think at best, like Paddy Cassidy gets it. He's 40 yards out on the wrong side. Mm. There's a window for him to take that shot. And I think that was as good as it got. And, I, and I'm thinking, if you're a podcaster, you're going, I'm going back here. I'm, I take this shot. I've got a two, three out of ten chance. If it goes over, put it that way. If it goes over, it's one of the greatest scores of the, the whole season. He doesn't take the shot. They work it back around. And you're right. It's, you're kind of... The drawback for the area is saying somebody needed to take responsibility. You look on the flip side and the players can say, well, hold on, we're not taking a crazy shot here because our season's on the line. And I, I think, well, I've seen people having a go at Calder. I thought Calder was great. He had to he blow g- it up. He, he gave them time, and, and a weaker ref might have actually said, I'm going to yeah. let them work a shot yeah. for another two or three minutes. And then if you're a Donegal and you're a Declan going, holy shit, you've added on five extra minutes. Yeah. So I thought Calder was right. I thought Derry were right to a point. They just needed someone, like you say, to take a little bit of responsibility and try and break the line. But that's... Look, it was always, it was high risk because it was the last yeah. minute of the game. But I don't think there was there was an open shot there that like that's an easy score. I think Andy's right. Glass Glass had to had to break that tackle. There was two mm-hmm. men bearing down him. He had to go for that. I think. I think he. But, had but, to. But, but, on defending here, yeah. he's looking down the centre channel with Donegal. He knows that's where all the defenders are. Yeah. He carries that ball into contact. Probably three or yeah. four Donegal lads going to wrap him. So and it's just it's a tricky one, and it's yeah. just it's a heartbreaking way to how Derry had played. That, that they just didn't get to at least pull the trigger on it. It was just it was harsh. And one of the most frustrating things of playing against G Paddy over the years was just before half time, just before the it, it, at the end of the game, you would actually hold the ball for a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. You'd actually count <laughs> down the clock to make sure that G get the last play. 
So mm. even like like it's to say, right, no matter what happens here, if someone misses it, they miss it, but just make sure that they don't get another play up the field. And the big advantage you have in Crow Park, lads, is that you can actually look at the clock and you can actually look yeah, at the exactly. And if you're not on the ball and you're a Kieran Kilkenny there, you're you're um you're a scully or whoever the playmaker is at the time, they can look at the clock and they can say, right, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30. In Bally Buffet, I don't know, was there a screen there? But I'd say you, you can't see that, so you're playing. <laughs> There's not a screen on Bally Buffet. Hey, with Donegal up, I'd say that it turned off any even if it was. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, I, I'm beside Tommy at the time, and I'm, I, I'm saying, if I'm decked in honour here, I am going mad when it's a minute and a half over. So I don't think the Goldrick thing... As you said, a weaker ref could let it run for five and a weaker ref could have blew it straight at six six yeah. minutes, whatever it was, five minutes. So e- either way, I don't think Goldrick is is, is yeah. in the debate at all. So we saw McPerty hit the budget beater. We know that in, on any given day, Murphy is an option there as well. We saw Monaghan get McManus and McCarran there for their clutch shots at the end. With Dublin, take your pick. It's probably Rock or Kilkenny, whoever's about. In Tyrone, Darren McCurry, that's the man you're trying to find. In the last minute, Andy... We've seen Killian O'Connor pop up and, and land an equaliser in the dying moments. He's not there at the moment. Who are Mayo looking to find in two weeks' time if Galway are a point up in injury time? See, that's the problem um, with 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 the with the and like linking in the conversations. That's the problem with not having a challenge um, at the minute. Uh, even in, I suppose, the Clare game, the Down game, the Mead game, and the West Mead game, I wasn't there as well. Uh, because we won by four or five, maybe up to ten points in all them games. So it was um that's a tricky one. Uh, I don't think a Ryan O'Donoghue, for instance, who's an outrageously talented little player, right? But he's a ball winner, playmaker, mover. Joe, that that's him. Uh Tommy Conroy is a guy for pace. Um so who's that guy to set in the pocket? If I'm being honest, in, in Mill, oh, it's probably Paddy. It's probably Paddy Durkin. You're probably looking at Paddy Durkin coming on the loop. Uh, getting getting that score from from a wing back position and that's probably who we're looking at at the minute, but we don't know because the pressure hasn't been on. Who is? It's it's like the penalties in in, uh, in for England. Like it's all right being able to take them at, at, at in training and to be able to go for that shot in training, but who is the guy with the real mentality at that time? Like a McBrearty, McKay killing him, killing him. He did like he, like I know yeah. like two or three assists. You just imagine how frustrating that was for Paddy McBrearty. And then in the last minute, 35, 40, some people just have that psychological thing where they can just focus in, this is my time, I'll take the shot. If I miss it, I can deal with the repercussions. That's a different mentality. And our problem in MAO, through no fault of James Horns, the players, anyone, is we literally haven't got that challenge yet. So we don't know. That's interesting. We'll wait and see. If that if that moment arrives, we'll see who's there. Let's talk to Ron Cavan. Um you mentioned predictions earlier on. Andy, I, I may have put my neck on the line on Friday oh, you, morning. You went with the form, Tommy. You went with the form. Yeah. Uh, 25 minutes in, it was looking good, Definitely Tommy, didn't go with the form. No, I just thought there might be something there. But but to be fair, Tyrone blew them away in the second half. Um, Calvin couldn't live with them when it got to the second half. And I thought that they may have had a maybe a sniff of a goal in the first half. And if they had t- taken that, maybe they were getting a bit of belief. But like, Tyrone, talk to me about the Tyrone performance here, Paddy. I watched this game closely because I wanted to see what, what, where were thrown at after the, the massacre they had in Clarney at the end of the National League. I thought it was, without a doubt, their most impressive thing. And the thing that impressed me most was the balance of the team. And we touched on this for new coaches and for talking about styles of play and things like that. There was, without a doubt, 
a little drawback to Mickey Hart's days. They were certainly more organised in defence. Mickey definitely uh, thought that anyway. Did he? Yeah, on or BBC, the, oh, he, he certainly thought... I go back, Mickey. He, he certainly thought that they had a, there'd been a massive change, as we all know, from the, the start of the league to now. So yeah. uh, On the point, that was the impressive thing, I have to say. they There were stages in that game, particularly in the first half, where Tyrone had 12 guys back inside Tyrone 45. But the change was they left Maddie Donnelly, Paul Donnelly, and Darren McCurry up the pitch. And they're saying to Darren McCurry, like, Darren, you are useless coming back into our half. There's no point in you being there. But under Mickey Hart and, and, and previous kind of regimes, the forwards were expected to get back there. And we touched on this with Ross Common two weeks ago. Ross Common will bring it back Donny Smith and the Murth has back into their own half back line. They end up doing more damage than good. It takes away, they've no energy going attacking then and when they're up the pitch and they end up losing markers and God, we get a goal out of it. So Tyrone turned on and go, there's 12 guys here. Sludden, Richie Donnelly, Connor Moyle or Kieran McGeary, they are good at that. They are transition players. That is what they're really, really good at. And, and Logan and Dewar have identified that level. Who are the players that this suits? So you 12 guys, you go back. You're used to that style of play and it makes us more solid in defence. It makes us hard to play against. But you three boys, Donnelly, uh, Maddie Donnelly, Paul Donnelly, Stonewall used to going back to his own goal. That's fine. What he does as a player is attacking and his accuracy and scores. And Darren McCurry, Darren McCurry has not changed a thing in his game. He's not doing anything different now than he's done for the last eight, nine years. What, he's did, what has changed is being allowed to stay. He doesn't leave the 21 in either half. And when the ball comes in, he's just full of energy. Like It, it reminds me, Andy, I have to say, used to do this with, with Mayo. I'm looking at Andy, the Erie one player here. He was getting about 30 possessions around the 21 and it was like all his energy was when he had the ball he scored I was like Jesus Christ I'd love to just stay there and have to run back uh, but it's playing to his strengths and if Andy got the ball or like McCurry now you see when he has the ball he's just full of beans his confidence is high because he knows the coaches believe in him and they're letting him stay up the pitch and that's the difference and that was the balance that Tyrone found on Saturday night you're our three guys something very similar to what Kerry are doing by the way and we'll talk about Kerry but the other 12 guys come back there's a play in the 33rd minute where this happens exactly, Kavanagh out of gas, right? So as good as, uh, as Tyrone were, 25 minutes into the game, Kavanagh seven points to six up. And they're, they're breaching that Tyrone blanket defence, there's 12 guys there, and Kavanagh have energy. They have speed, they have angled runs, they're getting Garoad, they turn Tyrone over, and they're breaking a pace, they get it to Garoad McCurry, and he's kicking scores from everywhere. And they're thinking 25 minutes in, Jesus, this is what we're waiting for from the reigning Ulster champions all season. And they're punching holes in that Tyrone defence. The next 20 minutes, they're outscored 1-6 to no score. They absolutely just run out of gas. Conditioning, it was clear and obvious. They just couldn't break down the defence. And what happens, and they were talking about this in, in kind of analysis of it, Cavan start taking bad options. They start forcing shots. They start dropping balls. And they're kind of thinking, well, is that poor execution of their skills? Or is it because they're tired? It's because they're tired. Before that, for 25 minutes, they were really sharp. They were kicking scores. They just run out of gas. And all of a sudden, they're playing against that 12-man 12, 12 thrown defence. To break down a blanket defence, and we talked about what, what Kerry did against Tipperary in a yeah. few minutes, but you need energy. You need pace. If you don't have that, the, the 12 guys, they're not being challenged. There's no problem going on. And then you start taking these bad shots. 
because you're thinking, I'm so tired, I've nothing else on. And that's where Cavan just ran out of gas. And over the next 20 minutes, from a really, really strong position, playing really well, they're, they're challenging Morgan's kickouts, they're in the lead, 1-6 to no score. The game's over. And that's Tyrone. You look at a play in the 33rd minute, if you're watching it back, Richie Donnelly gets a diving block. They have 12 guys behind the ball, Tyrone. Cavan, you can just see, they run out of ideas. The guys receiving the ball are standing still. They have no energy. They can't do anything. Someone takes a shot. Richie Donnelly blocks it. Tyrone go up and kick a score. And that was that, that 20 minute period, the game was over now. And that was just Cavan, Ulster champions, terrible season, conditioning wise. You, you cannot run out of gas. If you're serious about being a competitive team, the provincial champions, and trying to beat Tyrone, after 25 minutes, you're sitting there with your hands on your knees. What does that say? about where the players working hard enough did Mickey Ray have them ready to play that game only those guys will know that but I'll tell you one thing John Mann the Offaly players weren't out on their feet when they were chasing Claire and the beginning these Antrim players weren't out on their feet when they are trying to beat Armagh Armagh you'll see this weekend against Monaghan the, the responsibility has to come back onto the players that if you're running out of gas 25 minutes into a game there are serious question marks but that, that was the, the problem for Cavan but the plus side for Tyrone and very interesting for this weekend. It's going to be a brilliant game. They're, they look to have found that balance. A little bit of Mickey Hart, to be fair, and they made them more solid to be, but they're letting their key guys stay up the pitch. And look, McCurry's he's benefiting from it. Andy, yeah. what way are you leaning for Tyrone Donegal after watching both games at the weekend? Yeah, just one thing on, on, on Paddy's thing, um, and it was, it was evident for me, Richie Donnelly kicking the ball. You know, Richie and like Paddy, I think, has nailed the analysis there. But Richie Donnelly kicking the ball, there's a score there where it emphasizes the two things that Paddy's saying where McCurry's inside the 13, he goes left towards the sideline, comes back into the middle. Ah, lads, that is beautiful pass, ah, beautiful score, and it looks so easy. Oh, it's but dream, he, it's McCurry dream. has that energy. If he yeah. spent the last 10 minutes running back, chasing, just trying to take a box, he's not, he'd be, he'd be knackered, he'd be standing out in the corner, he doesn't want the ball. Whereas Toronto identified they're like. Right, Myler, that's your job. You do that well. Niall Sloden, you do that well. McGeary, you do that well. You do all the donkey work. You do that. Let the key guys, and you can see what Peter Keane is doing with Kerry. Mm. Let Clifford challenge you. You just stay there. Your work to us, you, can, you might say, is that being lazy? It's not. There's, there's other guys, there's certain guys who are absolute stars, they're shooters, and there's other guys that do the donkey work. Yeah. And Toronto landed on that balance, I felt, on Saturday for the first time this season where their, their house is in order at the back, but they're letting their key guys uh, kick scores. And Kyle McShane coming back probably didn't look as fit, but look, it's his first game back in so long. I, I think he'll play instead of Donaghy on, on Sunday. I think Paul Donaghy is for as good as he is and as accurate as he is. I, I, think, I think he's finding it challenging now in terms of the pace yeah. and winning his own ball and stuff like that. But, but that was the impressive thing. Yeah. But just on that, Paddy, just McCurry last year would have been playing at 12. Richie Donnelly would have the ball. McCurry would be taking the ball on him off the loop mm. and he'd be kicking it back 30 yards. And then <laughs> So I think it's a really good way to emphasize your, uh, uh, what you're saying. The structure, Paddy, I think is really strong. If the likes of Richie Donnelly kicking the ball, I would have said one of Richie's biggest weaknesses was his kicking. But like that's, that kick pass is like top level kick pass. And McCurry close to goal, full of energy is brilliant. For the game on Sunday... I think there's a few really interesting things. Obviously, the Murphy, the Murphy thing is class. I think in the four Ulster games, I think the goalkeepers are going to be unbelievably important. Like, <laughs> you have Patton against Morgan, right? Patton against Morgan. Yeah. And you have Began against um, Blaine Hughes. Isn't it? The weakest kicker out of them four 
not the weakest keeper by any stretch, but the weakest kicker of them four is Blaine, right? Armaz keeper, he's the, he's, the, he's the weakest kicker of them four. So Monaghan are going to press so high up the field there to analyse that kick out. Armagh probably can't because Began will kick it out over. But I'm very interested to see what Donegal and Tyrone do in terms of pushing the kick out in between um, stepping back, making sure Patton doesn't kick it out over Tyrone. Does it make Tyrone a bit more defensive if they stand back a bit more and give them the give them the short kick out? There's so many things where the keepers are going to decide. And with Morgan and Patton, they can both kick long, they can both kick short. They're prone to a little mistake every now and then. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, lads, this is this it, it's a great game. Um, the Murphy thing makes it more interesting. The likes of uh, McBrearty is going to get more space. The likes of McCurry, can he get a few goals? Can he stick a few in the onion bag? They're like Niall Sludden coming into a bit of form, McShane coming back. It's such an exciting game, lads. It really is such an exciting game. And whoever can shore up that centre, get more return off the goalkeeper, and whoever can score goals, in my view, wins the game. You know I fancy Tyrone. I've backed them to the hilt now. So as I said last week, I'm down the rabbit hole. I still back them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I think they've enough. Um, I think they've enough to do it. I think they, they, they'll score a few goals to 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 get to the better side of Donegal. But let's just wait and see. It's just a great game to look forward to. Yeah. I yeah. said Donegal from day one, and I'm going to stick with it even without Murphy. And I just think a big thing: Rona McNamee's red card. Massive is as so innocuous as it is. I don't think he's going to get off despite the best efforts of of his comrades. I and what that does is he he's their man marker. He's the man that's probably going to mark McBrearty. So that then does Hampsey go back on McBrearty then? And then because Hampsey usually man marks Michael Murphy in these games. So losing that key guy, we're talking, it frees up space for someone else. And now Tyrone are looking at going, we hadn't really thought about man marking Niall O'Donnell, but geez, if, if he carries that form in, he needs watching. And then on the flip side, you're thinking, Steve McMenamin is the man marker for, for Donegal. So he's going to pick up McCurry. Whereas all of a sudden, if I'm uh, doing a load, I'm going, well, I'm going to start Colin uh, McShane because that means he's on McGee. And that, I, I would tip that favour in, in Tyrone's favour if McShane is fit and ready to go. Whereas McShane doesn't play, I think McGee would actually do well on Paul Donaghy. I think he'd, he'd mentally just talk him out of the game. So so the matchups alone, we're talking about the goalkeepers. We've got three of the best goalkeepers in Cluxton <laughs> in the country. Three of them are playing at the weekend. That's going to be interesting. The injuries, the team selections, the matchups are going to be so, so crucial for the coaches. And Jesus, lads, we might have two weekends in a row with good championship games. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, Our heads would explode by a part 11. Oh, but, but I think, lads, if they can get McCurry one-on-one with uh, McMenamin, I think McMenamin was really struggling um, yeah. in the game. I know he did okay on McGuigan, but he yeah, but- double back. Had chances, Joe. The little turns you can see the pace McCurry's playing at top of the ground. I think he'll struggle. And I think the fact that it's not in Bally Buffet, uh, I think it's in Brewster, Brewster, Brewster Park. Yeah. Yeah. Brewster Park. I think that will. I think that will favour in uh, inside of Tyrone. But again, I'm down the rabbit hole, so I'm probably not the best fellow to follow. <laughs> McGuigan, just just to the point you're making about McCurry, there was multiple times McGuigan was back in defence for Derry at the weekend. There was multiple times he collected the ball in his own thirteen, and in the last minute of the game. He wasn't able to work that space or that that movement to even get into the. So maybe he was gassed by that stage. Um, but but Tommy, on that, I think it's important to say it because we don't want just forwards if they, if they are listening to young aspiring forwards just standing up on the thirteen yard line not doing nothing. Uh, mm. What Paddy is saying there is the majority of the time 
McCurry lets his man off. Now, every now and then, if he has yeah. nobody to hand that man off to, like mm. if, if um, who are we on about? If one of the lads aren't there uh, to hand... Myler or McGarry. Yeah, yeah. Myler, sorry, that's who I was thinking. If Myler isn't there so he can hand his man off to, he has, yeah. to, he has to go to the 60s. I, I can picture yeah. a moment that he is back defending McCurry at the weekend. I, I, yeah. know, I know what you're saying, yeah. And even Clifford at the weekend. Clifford oh, is diving to make blocks. Tommy, that, that's the key point to clarify. I'm not saying yeah. we played this with Dublin. Mm. never a case where you're being a lazy... No. Sad, and you're standing there but it's what it what it is it's that balance that's this takes time it takes work on the training pitch it takes the coaches to understand that there McCurry there, look there is inevitably there's going to be times where the boys are tied up and your man goes and you have to go but it's not just a default I'm just running back every single time because mm. in our experience with Dublin teams use that against us with Donegal particularly knew our forwards would track back so yes Anthony Thompson run him up the side. Oh, nightmare. And he is not looking for the ball. No. Paddy McGrath, he is not looking. For, he's literally running on the sideline. Nearly knocks over Jim Gavin as he's running by. And he's run, he's not even looking for the ball. And I'm going, I know what this fucker is doing. And I have to run back 120 yards back. And he's running away from the ball. But I know, if I don't go back, that was our that was our game plan that we had to track back. You, know, you couldn't let runners off. So teams started using it against us. Whereas what I'm saying with, with Tyrone is they found a balance there. That's work on the training pitch, the training sessions they're doing, the conversations they're having, and it takes time for new coaches to do that. But you can definitely see that. McCurry, nine times out of ten, we don't want you coming back to make up numbers. You seen how bad that was for Ross Cabin when you're forwards looking around going, right, I'm back on my own 45. What the fuck do I do now? <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Keep McCurry up the pitch, that allows him. Allows him to shine. You're playing to your players' strengths. Key team for coach. And boy, did he shine. Those scores were just absolutely outrageous. We'll come to our score of the week in a wee while. We're an hour into the episode 10 of the Football Pod. If you're listening in, thanks very much. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button. It, it's right beside you. Whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple or the OTB Sports app, which is the first place you can get the podcast every week. You can get it in the OTB GA stream with all of the rest of the GA across off the ball, or you can just get it on the football pod with Paddy and Andy. If all you want to listen to is Paddy Andrews and Andy Moran, we're going to move on briefly, lads. We're going to come to the Leinster semi-finals really briefly in about ten minutes' time. We're going to chat through some of the Instagram questions that have been sent in. But Paddy Andrews, you've told us earlier in the week that you think you've nailed the Kerry game plan. You figured out what Peter Keane <laughs> is doing. Tell us, lay it all out for us here. What are it Kerry does, doing? Geez. No. Or, uh, Again, Kerry Tipperary was another game. A hundred times over hundred, Kerry were winning that match, and look, it wasn't a great spectacle as as we expected. Kerry did their job, and I, and I think they'll do the same in, in the Munster final. Funny enough, next week against uh, against Cork. The interesting thing, so the game wasn't great. So what did we learn from Kerry? What 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 did we see something different from from Peter Keane? One of the big, and it was his team selections. Big thing in goal, Shane Ryan is back in goals, so they kind of put that one to bed. And I expected that to happen that, that Shane Ryan would come back instead of Fitzgibbon. We're talking about the Ulster Championship, how important, and we're talking about Stephen Cluxon last week, the role of the goalkeeper is in his kickouts. Shane Ryan has played in big games and all around finals. He's done really well against Dublin in terms of retention of his kickouts and stuff like that. So it's good to see him back, and I expect to see him there for the rest of the season. Then you start getting into Jesus, but Paul Murphy and Tyg Morley still are playing. I think Paul Murphy's their captain. He's one of their, an absolute leader for them. There's no two ways about it. And he's been a brilliant player for them. But he's not playing him. Darren Moynihan's obviously injured and playing a full forward. So the most obvious thing, if you're looking at it from, from Kerry's point, you go, well, who's the next best forward? You say, well, Killian Spillane is obviously the man to go in there, a full forward. But he doesn't pick him either. He plays Michal Burns, who's absolutely not a full forward. 
he's coming out the pitch instead of Paul Murphy's playing Mike Breen and, and Gavin White. So when we're, why is he doing that? When if you're thinking, look from the outside in, you go, there are the obvious changes. And if, what he's doing, it's a very set style of play. He's playing Gavin White, he's playing Mike Breen, and he's playing Thomas Sullivan, attacking more and more because he knows Kerry are going to play against the blanket defence. Tipperary put 15 guys back and we touched on how Cavan struggled against Tyrone. And, and Dublin, we had this for years and we had two of the best in the business in Jack McCaffrey and James McCarthy. When you're playing against the blanket defence, the only way to beat it, you either move the ball exceptionally fast and very, very slick. So no touches, you're not soloing the ball up your arse and thinking of loads of time in the ball, I'll pass to someone else. You're kicking the ball very crisply, you're handling as quick or you're runners. But you have real pace, angled runs that have Tipperary of 15 guys back you have Gavin White, who is an absolute speed merchant, or Thomas Wolf, absolute speed merchant. Those guys are saying, that's how we're going to break the blanket defence. Ideally, Kerry would love to kick the ball in 40 yards to Sean O'Shea and David Clifford inside. You can't really do that when there's 15 guys, temporary players inside their own 45. Peter Keane sees this, and he's going to see it against Cork in the Munster final. He's going to see it against Donegal or Tyrone, or okay, maybe Monaghan or Matt, whoever they play, the Ulster winners, they all are in the semi-final. And if they play Dublin, Dublin can play that way just as good as anyone in terms of their defensive setup. So he knows we need to be able to break down these numbers. That's why Paul Murphy and Tony Morley aren't playing. That's why he's got Gavin White is kind of coming to the fore. And you can see it, classic example for their first goal. Tipperary of 15 guys back. Tip, tip, um, Carrier just passed the ball back and forth. And we had, like I said, we had this with McCaffrey. It was a joy to play with him because Gavin White breaks through four guys. Breaks through the first four, punches a hole, he probes through the first line of Tipperary's defence. And even though they're 15 guys back in their own 45, now there's absolute panic. So his pace and his angle run breaks through. The next line of that blanket defence all come out to meet him because they're like, shit, now there's, there's panic. And you're thinking, how in God's name is David Clifford on his own on the 13-yard line? When they have, they have 15 players inside their own 45, how is the best forward in the country? Standing on his own on the 13. The reason being is Gavin White's pace and the angle runs of him and, and Brain and O'Sullivan, that causes the, the, other, the next line of Tipperary's defence, the five or six players, to run out to him because like, shit, go to the ball, and he just pops it off the Clifford for the goal. And in that, the game is gone. It's one four to a point after the first water break. Forget about it. Move on to the next match. But that's that's why Peter Keane was playing that style of playing. That's why, as, as good as Paul Murphy, he's probably unlikely to see him start in these games. That's Kerry are going to face that style of play. We faced it for five, six years with Dublin. Every team we played against, Bar Mayo played that style against us. So having those runners from deep, and that's that's an important thing. And the flip side as well, up front, we talked last year and we talked at the start of this pod, Kerry playing, there's no point in playing the six best forwards in the team because the, the, there's no balance there. You're not going to get the best out of the players. Myself and Andy, our roles were nearly, our, in our own careers, was moving and creating space for other guys to do it. Kerry... If you're looking, Killian Spland, surely going to start. He's the sharpshooter. No. Michal Burns, not a full forward, but he's coming out with Paddy Clifford. Deaney's kind of staying out. They're doing the donkey work and they're leaving Sean O'Shea and David Clifford in close to goal. Sean O'Shea's wearing number 11, but he's playing inside with Clifford. That's the double act to get them on it. And Peter Keane is banking on that those two guys out of our six forwards are going to shoot us to the All-Ireland. Not six of the best forwards because they just won't work together. And that's why Michal Burns and Paddy Clifford and these guys and Darren Wynne have come back in. That's the key, key role they're playing. And Paddy Clifford, to be fair, was playing it really, really well. Whereas traditionally, 
And we chatted the very first podcast we spoke about what do we want to see from Kerry in the National League. We want to see a forward game plan and not just playing six forwards, doing their own thing and, and hoping David Clifford shoots the lights out. There's a really set style in how they're attacking from the defence. They've got the goalkeeper in who's going to be looking for those kickouts to the pockets to David Moore and Dermot O'Connor. And you've seen their forward line. They're banking on the two boys inside to shoot the lights out and the link players of Burns, if he's still there, if Dermot's still injured, and, and Paddy Clifford. So that was the only thing you learned from Kerry at the weekend. They're preparing for that blanket defence and they're using that pace and it worked to treat it. The goal was just a classic example of how to break down that blanket defence. The, the, the goal itself was was very interesting and going back to the, the structures and what you need to get used to as well. So you have Conor Bow making his debut for tip. He cuts in off the left, takes a right foot shot, drops it short into the keeper's hand. Right, they do not, they get one, two. So they get that goal. Clifford's basically first touch is driving yeah. into the top corner and then they get two points straight after the game. As Paddy said there, the game's over. And it's all from him dropping it into goalie's hands the ball being attacked, like just as Paddy just explained so so well, right? Move from right to left. Gavin White comes through, gets Clifford in, okay? And then they do the high press on the kick out one. There's a high press on the kick out two. One, two scored. The game is, the game is over. Yep. So, like they, they, you're on about qualities and different things. You, you learn fairly quick when you're playing the likes of Dublin and Kerry that if you drop the ball and like I, I said it, I think in the pod before in 2019, I, I found myself getting blocked for the first time, really. And I was just like, can't be getting blocked here. You know? yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting blocked or you're getting you're, you're dropping the ball into the keeper's hands. You're, you're, you're in a bit of bother. So it's a great lesson for both. That's, again, going back to the thing, you can't, you can't replicate that until you're in there and you're playing and then you get through it. But on Kerry, I thought uh, the, the forward, uh, it's something that I looked at as well. The forward division is very interesting. It's 2-2. Two, two. And then Ganey and uh, Stephen O'Brien the last day are nearly making a four in the middle of the field. Now, I think Ganey's the most interesting one, if I'm being honest, because fell I really like. I, I like him as an inside forward. I studied his game quite a lot. But at the 12, if you're looking at it, you're thinking, what are they doing with him? Yeah. They must be back in slightly that at some stage, uh, Sean, Shea, Sean O'Shea and David Clifford is going to get taken out. And mm. then his man might be the one to drop in. But you can't leave Ganey free because he'll kick four or five. Yeah. So there must be thinking at some stage because he's not going to win multiple breaks. He'll get mm. a few assists in around the place. Um, he'll do okay, but he's not one of those big high runners. And and I don't think Kerry are going to go where they play Mial Burns in Ganey's position and they play Darren Moyne and it, we're at full forward. I don't think they're going to go there. So I think they're going to stick with Ganey, um, which is very interesting. So it's a 2-2 two, two, and then maybe a four with the two midfielders and Ganey and Sean, Stephen O'Brien. So it's interesting there. I think they'll play a Murphy, Paddy, if I'm being honest. I think they'll, I don't think uh, mm, they're going to brain. be with the, without Murphy. So yeah. that's, that's going to be interesting to, to watch. It's something that I wouldn't have thought of, uh, really, because I just thought Murphy comes back in. But it'd be mm. very, very interesting to see that over the next couple of weeks. But, 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 but on that, Andy, I, I, I definitely think Ganey will play in that role. And I, I, I do, I agree with you. We touched on it in one of the earlier pods as well. It, it's not his natural position, but they, they've stuck with it all year. He's, he's going to be there. He's going to be moving forward. I think that's a challenge for him. And I'm thinking for Dublin hat on it. If Paul Ganey isn't moving forward, you're challenging him going that way. All the time. Abso- absolutely. And that's the <laughs> try and ring Jack McCaffrey and get him to come back if he can. <laughs> that's not going to happen. He mightn't be, he but, mightn't be the only one getting a call. 
Yeah, I'm still waiting on my phone. Desi must have lost my number. Yeah, but, um, but, um, but no, I, I think, I definitely think he's going to play, absolutely, because they, they've done it all season. Um, and, and you're right, maybe, they, maybe they're banking that at some stage, this is going to develop into a shootout later in the season and that's where Gini can come into his own. But, but on the flip side, I'd worry about it going the other way against, it's not going to matter. It hasn't won the matter in the championship. It's not going to matter against Cork in, in the Munster final. But we're talking about, um, say, they, say they play at Tyrone and, and Gini's all of a sudden he's marking, you know, uh, Conor Myler plays wing back and he's just sprinted up and down the pitch. That's not going to help him. So yeah. that, that's all you could take from that game. Was like Tipperary came, damage limitations. That was fine. It wasn't a great game to watch. But what did we learn from Kerry? And yeah. there's definitely things in the selection, what he's trying to do, and certainly their, their, their style of play up front. The full forward is not going to be the full forward for Kerry, yeah. whether it's mine or me, or Burns going to be going coming out to link it with Potty Clifford. So. We, we have a question about Potty Clifford that I'm going to save for next week. So I've, I've got it saved there. But we do have a question in about one of the Kerry forwards. It's from Tom O'Connor. I know he was in Sample at the weekend. And Andy, I'm going to start with you because I don't want Paddy to think it's a loaded question. But yeah. as forwards, how did the lads <laughs> deal with defenders looking to get them booked? Question mark. Clifford targeted, and he obviously got oh, booked. That's sick. not the first time we've why seen that happen. Why, why would you think it's uh, targeted at Paddy? <laughs> this is a wind-up. Who sent that question in? Ta- Tom O'Connor, I can show you it. it, it is it from, from Scary's heart? <laughs> so, he's a mead man. He's a good he's from Ashburn. <laughs> if you can call it mead. For the, for, the, for the openness and honesty and clarity of the pod, I told you, I'm not exactly confused about playing, playing uh, club football this season. So I was playing a game on, on Saturday night. This is my... <laughs> 17th year this is my 17th season playing senior football with Bridget se- some of them was as a back you have to put in the some <laughs> so some of them was as a back so they don't count 17 years playing and I've never been sent off in my life and one, once with Dublin and we touched on last week the Bernard Brogan thing back in me back in the day so playing there number 11 I'm old I'm finished lads. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't really want to be there I can't really do the stuff I used to be able to do but anyway kind of going centre forward Kick three points in the first half and kind of nice. doing all right. Um, but I'm kind of carrying the ball a lot just the side of the game. And you know, there's, there's lads literally half my age. Little shit. <laughs> so I carry the ball and pop it off. And then three seconds later, a young lad would come in and hit me a late hit. And then it'd be a bit of lip. Oh, you're finished. You're finished. Oh, I know I'm finished. You don't need to tell me that. <laughs> so this happens once, happens twice. Happens, and I'm just getting taken on. I don't need this. I, Look, at the end of the road, just let me enjoy the sunshine and if I kick a couple of scores, give me 12. So anyway, coming down the sideline just before half time, carrying the ball, and I can just see this fella's got a couple of things, going to absolutely burn me. So I pop the ball off. There's railings along the side of the pitch. Dang, like, kind of those, sorry, for support of Selena. man comes in and he's trying to bury me into the railings. This little fella, I'd say he's half my age. So I just, you know, he's got right, not having this. So I try to, some, I think it's like a clothesline or a rock bottom. If you remember that from WWF days, Get him on, throw him off me, and then I turn around and sure, all hell is breaking loose. There's about three more scary lads coming in, and I was like, right, I'm going to throw my first punch here since the mid 90s. <laughs> that was a say, Yeah, it's uh, yeah, from a I'd say I did more damage to my hand than to your man's head. Any but sure, I do that just as I'm not having this. this I'm throwing him a scalp here. <laughs> then about 30 lads come in, and there's a big brawl, and sure enough, the ref was over. What? He got close to me. What's your name? And him talking to me for the whole match, the ref. I was 
captain for Charleston for his chat me. I'm loving the pod, he said. <laughs> no, he did. No, he did. Yeah, at the start, because uh, the scaries, I know the scaries captain. It wasn't Brian Cullen wasn't playing. He goes, oh, how's the pod going? It's very good. Blah, blah, blah. He comes over and goes, what's your name? And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Paddy Andrews, I knew he was gone. Red card. First red card for prison in about 17 years. Just walked off the pitch in disgust. It's like, that's, it's a sad way to wrap it up, isn't it? When you reach the edge, you know you're gone. So, so there you go. Yeah, target it. You'll be, back, you'll be back for championship. Andy, were you ever sent off? No. Once. Yeah, we, we, we get to, <laughs> once. <laughs> once and he moves on. Yeah, well, no, no respect no, no, for the older guys. You, you'd be like them Premier League fellas. You know the fellas that get sent off the last two or three league, league games? Bring out holidays. Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I got back for the family barbecue and half seven. It was no. great. Uh, I, I got sent off against Cross Carolina once, yeah. We got a good buddy, Pather Gardner. Is probably running too much, but yeah. So there was a, <laughs> but they, they um, yeah. So to answer the question, like it's it, it's it's something that you have to do. De- like I suppose you have to be ready mm. for. It. Like if like you're American Johnny Cooper, you're American, um, uh, not American Shea to be fair because he wasn't like that. But if you were American, Lee. At, at who? Lee Keegan. Yeah, Lee Keegan, Tom yeah. Sullivan, Ryan McMenamin, Connor Gormley, these guys. Like McNamee, all them guys, they're all looking for, they're not looking, they're not going out trying to get you to send off. They're trying to look for a reaction. And even if you give them a reaction to, um, like, that is not a sending off offense, okay, they know they have you. So basically, you have to kind of train yourself. It's true experience. Um, I remember, like, like, we got a great experience with it because when you used to be playing that great Tyrone team and you used to be American, McMenamin and Gormley. Oh lads, they were tortured. Like, like they were, like they pulled, like they pulled the piss out of you. Like, like we used to have these calls with John Mar- Morrison, so you'd call it the inverted triangle or the tri- or the diamond or something. And the boys would be like, you know, they make you feel like you show, <laughs> they show you. They be like, what are they going to go for next? You know, the pearl diamond or oh, this is classic Morrison. So they, they'd know Morrison and they'd know that's what. Yeah. So, uh, I suppose you get a good education early. What the, Do you know what on it, Andy? And it's interesting. I don't think there's much of that anymore. Not anymore. No. I don't think there's much. There's, look, there's still physicality. But I remember, like, like Tyrone would have been kind of Tyrone got a bad rep for it, but even we would have played Tyrone obviously a lot over the, I don't think the chat is as much no. anymore. I remember back when I definitely when I started when we were playing Man in. This is like the late nineties, the Man in and Tyrone and stuff. It was all oh, Jesus. It was like if you mic'd up the lads, it actually some of it was quite funny now. But there was a lot of back and forth. But I think a lot of teams now. They don't really go in for the, the verbs. There's definitely there's late hits and there's pulling and dragging and stuff like that. But like from my own point of view, and I know you'd have been similar, Andy. I never said a word on the pitch okay. to opposition at all. No, I wasn't good enough to be targeted anyway. So, so I was getting off lightly compared to Brogan or Conley or these guys. But I would never, and, and I know a lot of our guys will just never speak on the pitch. If someone's giving me a lip or anything, like I say, it's quite rare now anyway, mm-hmm. or they're giving you digs and things, you just keep moving. As a forward, I would always be just beyond the move. If someone's pulling and dragging you, and Clifford's obviously him between himself and probably Conor Callan, two of my high profile guys, uh, Pat, they're, they're going to get their fill of it. You just I, need to keep on the move, and you don't get involved in it because, like Andy big, says, yeah. once you give a reaction, you're, you're taking away the from your own game, you're losing focus. And, and look, there's probably creeping in, guys are starting to go down a bit easier, and things like that. If you react, you could end up being sent off. And you're talking about we're, we're saying Peter Keane's game plan essentially. What they're carrier banking on is Clifford and O'Shea shooting them to the other. Imagine one of them gets a red card. Thing, thing is though, and I'm sure defenders would know that there's no point talking to Paddy Andrews. You're not going to get a reaction out of him. But I can imagine they're thinking Connolly's going to react, or Brogan might yeah, react, or they're looking at certain players. Brogan never did. Clifford, no, Dermot was the thing. Yeah, the, unfortunately, 
David Clifford, and I think he was let down by the umpires against Tyrone a couple of years ago. He got sent off for reacting. He got sent off in a club match for reacting. The, the lad is targeted a lot, like, so he got booked at the weekend. Now, Kieran Donahue wrote in his book that he would love it when this happened because when the defender is booked, there's much more likely the chance. Donahue be starting himself. He probably was. He probably was starting himself. So, is there anything in particular you can do? Like, we knew when Murphy was coming on at the weekend that Derry were going to have a plan. They were going to nail him physically. I don't know what you're doing hitting Michael Murphy because you're not going to do much damage to him. But, do you know, like, is there anything you can do? Or you- For me, it was always focused and to be, to know that it's going to happen. So anytime I was unfocused, then I could get involved in it. Um, but again, it's going in, feeling it, seeing see where you are. The, the hardest thing a cornerback can do for the likes of me and Paddy now is go up the pitch and score. Oh, man. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So you go up the pitch, you score, they're one up on you, you're the forward, That that's tough. With the Northern boys, when they used to, so McMenamin used to go up and score, like, and he used to always score. Oh, he'd give it well, to He'd be yapping. Oh, he'd be yapping. Man. It was a, I was a young cub. I couldn't deal with this at all. It took me years to, to get used to it. But when you get used to it and you um, don't learn how not to react, the power then is with you. The power then mm-hmm. is with you. You score a point. You say nothing to the opposition. You just go and stand beside them. You get the boys ready again and you'll see them melting beside you. But it... It, t- it takes a bit of time too. I yeah. tell you, people are not going to believe us. Me and Andy say we never spoke and we can't finish a podcast in less than two hours hard. We never shut up. But, yeah. but genuinely on, on, on the pitch, yeah, the verbal side of things, like I say, I think from experience of recent years that that's kind of died off anyway. There's definitely still the yeah. physical element where guys are pulling and dragging and things like that. The way they do that, just got to keep on the move. Just keep on the move and that takes them out of their comfort zone. And, and I, I have to say, the fence of David Clifford, he is... The most high profile forward in the mm. country. He's getting a lot of this. Oh, yeah. It is up to, so in his defense, he has to put up with this in every single game he plays for cornerback going in, American David Clifford. That's, I need, I need to try and take him out of his comfort zone. So defend Clifford in that regard. Uh, and, and look, he, he's, he's a big boy. He's, a, he's experienced, despite his age, he's already unbelievable experience. I'd say he's been dealing with this since he was about 30. Yeah, of course. Even in minor games, obviously. So, but it, it just he needs to be careful, and that's like Andy says, the focus side of things. If Kerry's yeah. going to win the All Ireland, he needs to be on the pitch. Same for Sean O'Shea, but it's inevitable, particularly as you get into the bigger games now. All the forwards, all the top forwards, have to deal with this. There's nothing new in it, so yeah, just a learning thing from. So and for me, even at 33, I have to learn now to keep a cool head. Yeah, look, at you, <laughs> you, you'll be back in time for championship, I'm sure. No, no, so, it's a three, three months suspension. I'm hoping for. <laughs> it, we're, we're about we're about an hour and 20 minutes in here to the podcast lads and I haven't mentioned Mead once so right. Paddy, I think Jeez, the two of us record. two of us are going to be in Crow Park at the weekend we're going to be covering for off the ball I think oh, hey, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy we have to pull him on that I think he was trying to sign Eric Clowns before the game was well, that, sorry I'm I haven't mentioned Mead but can, can we please it. get Dean Rock and, and Eric Clowns will, yes, will so Dublin have Will Dublin have 26 players to talk this weekend? Can you give us the inside line here? Do they have enough players? Presume that is a, a wind up that question. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Eric Lowndes, the 80th medal. I said 76 last week. Eric Lowndes and his four All Ireland medals have walked out of Dublin panel. There has to be something going on. Yeah, I don't think there is. I just think I'm surprised. I'm surprised, but Eric Lowndes one does surprise me. Whatever about, about Stephen, kind of, Stephen's 20 years on the clock. He's kind of looking, take time himself. Jack McCaffrey and Paul Manuel earlier just mentally they both mm, it we know that, that yeah. we, we Eric Lowndes is, is a surprising one and the reason being is if you look at Dublin's half back so Lowndes has been there in the panel for a number of years like we thought the full forward line was hard to get into initially if you're looking at Dublin's half back line Jack McCaffrey Keno Sullivan and James McCarthy that's already one of the best half back lines ever 
and these guys were all at the top of their top of their game. Then you had John Small coming in as like a man marker in there. So for Lowndes, it's a very difficult position to try and get game from. You're you're just look. No matter what you do, you're not going to get into the team ahead of those guys. So to do those the, the last five, six, seven years, he's been on the panel and a brilliant kind of team member. McCarthy's gone to midfield. McCaffrey's hung up the boots. Keno Sullivan's hung up the boots. John Small is injured. All of a sudden, there, there's real opportunities to play in that half back line. So, so it's just very surprising. It's one of the most surprising, more so than Jack. Uh, and uh, he didn't and, get selected uh, against Wexford, uh, Paddy D. I, I, I think he might. I think he might have even been gone before that. I think it's probably only going to come out now. But but you know, it is a, you know, it's, it's a surprising player, one. Yeah, yeah, like, it is. You can see there, and I know he, uh, Desi went with McDade. And I think he yeah. named he named Lehiff at five or something. Mm. I know he was mm. probably never going to play Lehiff at five, but mm. it was probably just uh, he could probably sense it at training a bit. Lehiff goes if Lehiff was going to play, McCarthy probably would have went back to five or six. Yeah. Small coming back, Merchant coming back, Cooper coming back, and he was probably just going, you know, something. It's it might be time, you know. Do you know, and, and it can and it can be as simple as that. And to be honest, I'd say it probably is. It's just he spends a lot of time, like I say, the commitment and the times of the things. If, if you're not getting the game time, that's it's hard going. And like I say, when you take an avenue might open up and you don't get in, it's kind of like Jesus, maybe, maybe. And, and I don't know. I haven't spoke to Eric on it. Um, and were you saying Eric. he was? You you were saying he was Desi's captain of twenty ones, was he? I think yeah, he would have been. Would have played with Desi underage and stuff like that. And I think he was captain of the minor twenty one team. So I know for myself, when Jim Gavin took over from Pat Gilroy, I played. I was captain with Jim and played under twenty one with him. I knew I was kind of like. This guy knows me. He's going to believe me. He's going to give me an opportunity. I'm sure Eric was kind of thinking that. And then last season, yeah. Robbie McDay plays every game at wing back and you're kind of thinking, he's nearly leapfrogged in a way. And that can be hard. So it can be, yeah. it's a surprising one just with the timing because like, the way it's kind of panned out with guys injured and guys stepping away, he probably would have played. He definitely would have got some sort of game time uh, throughout the rest of the season. So yeah, an interesting one. What can but we do? I do? I think Dublin will have 26. I think they will, yeah. I think they'll be safe. <laughs> just, just that day, just. Yeah, yeah. It's my birthday and I have to spend it with Tommy Rooney doing commentary. What age are you, 34? No, he's only 32, isn't he? 30, 33 on Sunday. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're That's getting on all right. Well, yeah. Back to me again, sent off. If you're over 30 in a club game, lads, just leave him. Lads, <laughs> half your age hitting your digs. Uh, uh, Those lads are out partying at South William Street later that night. I'm going home to have an ice bath. You know what I mean? Look yeah, after the older guys. Hey, we were playing Belmont, you know, and there was a young guy on it last year. There was on the under 20s last year that a coach, like he was he, he was in for trial and stuff. Great lad. And he turns up to me halfway through the game because we're too old. I was like, <laughs> he was very good. You're his coach. You're his I, coach. I, I was like, oh, uh, yeah. Like, Tell me like, you dropped him. That guy should never play again. Uh, funny. He was going to laugh about it, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but I was like, I know, I know. I'm, I'm 30 yeah, exactly. You're, you're not telling me anything new, pal. Before I ask you for your predictions for the Lancer semifinals of the weekend, Andy, we have time for your moan of the week. And I would, I would say <laughs> that if the penalty shootout last night went a certain way. Your moan of the week would have been penalty shootouts in the GA because the Mayo under 20s bet go away last night in the penalty shootout, but your team had lost the previous year in the penalty hmm. shootout to go away. Yeah, it was it did, like Ushin actually, Ushin Mullen actually missed the penalty, uh, would you believe? Um, but I just think it's horrible. It, it really is horrible. Like Galway sitting at home there, Tony Gill, uh, who was the captain, uh, outrageously good footballer, and a few of them guys, and they're sitting at home there today. They're out of the championship after a penalty shootout. 
Like you're on about back doors and you're on, but if you draw, like we're not in that much of a rush with under 20s that there has to be penalty shootouts in, in game one. Um, and like we were at the back end of it last year. Um, it was an unbelievable game in a storm last year and they ended up going to extra time, another fear period of extra time and to penalties. Guys nearly had hypothermia on the pitch. It was February 8th. It was, it was brutal stuff. And last night, I just think it's very unfair for again try to promote the game or marketing the game here that we, we want to get through and for them Galway boys to be sitting at home this morning out of the championship by losing to pen- <laughs> losing in penalties like it's just like would a replay like if they turn around to them under 20s and said lads it's Tuesday evening replays on Saturday evening can you play yes we can let's go yeah. and, and I think there was I think there was a moment before that Jared Burns or something did he go in and stop a penalty shootout before or something up no it was the it was the I'm going to get it wrong here. I think it was the Derry chairman actually Derry, stepped okay. on. It could have been the Antrim chair. It was the Antrim chairman. I think. I'm getting it wrong. One of the chairmen up 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 the north stepped in and said, "We're not we're not doing this." Yeah, um, and I, I remember that. I was just <coughs> a very. I just think it's a very very peculiar thing to do. And um, listen, it's it's penalties. It's a bit of a moan. Listen, I'm my old man. He, said, he gave him 30 minutes at the start of the pod to moan about yeah, the yeah. instructions. Hey, Two hey, moans hey, a week. And I'll tell you, still, Paddy, he still says he's not a moaner. You know your penalty that you're on about, right? You know the, the one that's... that's the, I never want to see a penalty shooting. No, but, no benefit can come from it. This shootout, right? So the young lad from Knockmore, okay, watch it. Like, if you can go on Twitter and watch it, okay? Yeah. And he, like, it's the seventh or eighth penalty. Like, it, they only missed one each, I think. And this guy now has to go around and take a second penalty. Can you imagine scoring the first penalty and saying... Take another one, Penanka. You have to Penanka. Yeah. Keeper throws it away on him, right? Keeper throws it away on him. He used to walk 20 yards to the pen to get the ball. He makes the keeper wait and he puts it into the top bins. I oh. It's a two in it. Harry Maguire. <laughs> Harry, Harry Maguire. Maguire broke the camera. Yeah, it's a beautiful penalty. Tell score me, the, score of the week. Are we going? No, score of the week. Yeah, well, like I'm picking that that Armad ladies' goal that I sent on to you yesterday. Amy Mackin's oh, ball in. Yeah, like, what a dream of a pass. Well, what are you going for? Are you going from one of McCurry's points? I would go any one of Kieran McFall's points. Oh, yeah. Ta- O'Shea Langan. If you look just for our, sorry, not O'Shea Langan, Michael Langan. <laughs> Michael Langan. Mike, Michael Langan, yeah. Mike, I don't know if O'Shea could do that now. No, I don't think so. Twice before half time, Donny uh, Gall around the ropes before the three or four points down. Yes. He gets one ball on his right on his left on his right foot, sorry, 40 yards out, kicks it over the bar. Next play gets it on his left foot, saying before he kicks two phenomenal scores. And that game was full of them, like saying McFall's points and his points. Now you've got a couple of great ones. But look, that's it has to be McBrady. Like he's 40 metres out. He's had a he's had a poor game. Hasn't really got a sniff off McCabe. McCaig is still on him. It's not like McCaig has switched off and completely lost him. He's still there. Shots in the red. Even if that's a free kick or a mark, that is a difficult kick to take on. Yeah. When you add in the, the time of the game, the game McBrady had had, and the fact that it's from play and it's on the line. What a score. If there's a better one all round in this year's championship, I think you'd be doing well. So I love Amy Mackett's pass for my goal, and I've seen him kind of trending on Twitter, which is great to see. But, but for me, Clifford's goal was obviously very good. Against, against what Tipperary, a rocket. I, I have a feeling Clifford's probably going to get a lot of these scores of the week. So I'm, I'm going to go with McBrady, I just thought, for the whole package. And one will get it's kept only all season alive, you know. Yeah, I would like, like big just, moment just, just on the Amy Mackin thing, there's a, there's a few clips of her on YouTube playing with Jordanstown. It's it's definitely worth checking out. It's ridiculous stuff what you're doing in terms of dummy playing. It's it, mm. it's great to watch. But her pass was sensational. Um, 
But I was thinking Clifford or McBrearty, they were the two for me. Uh, special mention with Paddy Cassidy, isn't it, number five for Derry? Yeah. What a performance. Ooh. What a performance. How can that? He, he couldn't walk on Monday. What a bit of running. He was he was sensational. But um, yeah, I would go, you have to go McBrearty for the score that was in it, the week that was in it, the game that was in it, the first challenge the the, the summer, first right game of the summer. Brilliant score. Come here, next year. I scored a great point in my club game. The first point I got. Now, we're not, I'm not sure if it's on Twitter or anything, but it was actually a really, really good score. But I think McBrearty will just nick it for me. We need to link it up. We need to link it up, Pat. We need to get some video some video footage. We need something. It's yeah. out there somewhere. It's in yeah, the cloud. You got, you got sent off. You blew it after that. Last know, one. Yeah. Last one. Okay. I wanted to spend half an hour today talking about what Mead need to do to beat Dublin, but you didn't give me anything Jesus last week. Christ. So I'll annoy the head of you on Sunday about it in Crow Park. Yeah, happy birthday. Give, yeah, give me... Give, Give me the score prediction. How much do you think Dublin are going to beat me by this weekend? Talk up the dubs. I'm expecting a really big performance of Dublin. They're back in Crow Park. And I say the, the performance against Wexford was not of the standard that they would have liked and what we're used to seeing from Dublin. I think they would have been smartened by that. And I say the focus outside the camp for the last probably 10 days has been kind of Stephen Cluxton and now obviously with Eric Leon's kind of stepping away. The Dublin players are absolutely going to be annoyed and frustrated with themselves how they played against Wexford. I'm expecting a big performance. What's the score? On, Give me the score, the, the margin. I think Dublin will win comfortably. Okay, didn't give me a number. Andy, can uh, you know eight, eight to ten. Point. Eight to ten. Andy, yeah, yeah. You're, just, you're just trying to create headlines here. Jeez, I am, yeah. Nice. I, I, think I, am. That, I think that's the team Dublin are now. I think they're, like, they didn't concede a goal last year, but like, Joe Barr, that me, Trimming everything else was kind of balanced and it was it was okay, but yet there were five, ten point hammerings. Um, yeah, and I think that's just the, the mature. That's the way teams go. So you see a Kerry team now, you even see a young Mayo team, and they'll go and they'll try to drill a team and get five or six goals. Where Dublin is just all composed, 80% possession, kick five or six points, get to twenty-one, twenty-two, and the other team get to about twelve or thirteen. I think that's what it's going to be. Who do you expect Dublin then will be playing in the Leinster final? I think Kildare. I think Westmead. Westmead were like they were a brilliant second half against Leash. I think Leash could have helped them obviously, uh, and how that finished up for Mike Cork. Um, and Andy, I know you watched Westmead in the flesh in the National League. I'm impressed with their organisation and things like that. But I think Kildare have a bit of momentum now. I think that win and getting promoted to Division One, beating Mead and Newbridge that day was a big win for them. Um, I expect Jack O'Connor will have those guys ready to rock. Um, and. I, I expect Kildare, I expect less of final of Kildare against Dublin, yeah. Yeah, same. Um, I think Westmead are just caught between two stools a tiny bit. They went really 12-13 behind the ball with Mayo and did really, really well. Uh, but then they went all out and kind of tried to open it up. And when they opened it up against Cork, yes, they scored hugely themselves, but they conceded hugely. And with Flynn, the Flynn's coming through the middle there, the pace, lads, is just insane. So yeah. I expect Kildare to take their chances. I expect Kildare to win, but it would not surprise me if Westmead snuck it. Yeah. Thanks very much, lads. That's episode 10 of the Football Pod. Paddy, I know you've got a very busy week ahead with your appeal. You're lodging an appeal against that red card. So. I'm not. No, <laughs> if you lodge an appeal and you lose, does it get extended? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Leave That's it. I'll ring John Castle. Right. Episode 10 I, of the Football Pod. I definitely deserved it. We'll be chatting more in depth about the Ulster semi-finals and the Leinster semi-finals next week. We'll have two provincial finals to look forward to. So hit subscribe to the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy and we'll be back with you next Wednesday. Cheers, boys. Thanks, lads. See you Sunday, Tommy. Take it easy, Andy. Bye-bye.